10 to 1, episode 156. The top 10, 12 items from our book poster of books from the Sci-Fi Christian. Welcome to 10 to 1. I guess Ben and Matt cannot hear the music on this side either. I'm Brian Kozer. And uh, a big problem. I'm Ben DiVono. Yeah, how is it with the shoe being on the other foot now? Yeah, it's interesting. I just, for whatever reason, I thought, because you didn't warn us that you were going to play the music, yeah. I always tell people, okay, you're not going to be able to hear the music, so don't worry. I feel like Matt is a much more hospitable host when it comes to not being able to hear the music. That that kind of felt like a music ambush, Brian. I've, I've had you guys on so often, I bet if I pulled it up, I'm not going to pull it up, but I bet you've been well, on we don't, half of our really? last 10 episodes, because we have not podcasted since April. Since oh. we moved, we had a baby. Um, those are the two main things. Everything went on pause. But uh, I thought we should come back for uh, for you guys and, finishing and, your and, first run through your book poster. And, and you shave, too. I shave every once in a while. I'm about to stop shaving at the end of the month. Oh, you're going for uh, No Shave November? Yes, and then I transition that into No Shave December, January, February. All right. All right, I want to throw this out there because right. I'm a I'm a bearded man myself, uh, Matthew. Yeah, I want to see you let it go. I mean, I would like to, and I, maybe I've mentioned this on the show before. Definitely not in ten to one though. You have. I I, I, know. I can't grow a legitimate beard, and no, I have I, to. I and I work in a professional. That. I work in a professional you environment. You can. You could grow a goatee, and so the whole no shave November is like for cancer. Yep. So if somebody complains about it, and you say, oh. I guess you like cancer. Oh. And then it will shut them up. Okay. I I I'll, I'll I'll consider it since there's a reason because honestly, there would just be this weird period of time where I would look horrible and I have to go to work. Hey, that's well, that's, that's okay, everybody though. growing a beard. That's everybody. Yeah. That's part of being a man, man. All right, I'll consider it. I'm not saying yes or no. I'll consider it. This is the, as close to yes as you can get. <laughs> okay, I, I think that's fair. I, I would try peer pressure, but I know you, you don't like peer pressure, so I'll no, just leave it alone. It's not that. Guess what, Brian? I don't know if you know this about me, but I one of my skills is when somebody tries to use peer pressure, it just puts up my walls even harder. The harder mm. somebody push, I mean. pushes, the less likely it is I'll ever give in. Mm. Mm. So, so I'm telling you that I'm not doing that Yeah. as a way of reverse peer pressuring you into lowering your <laughs> So we're we're in two different feeds that don't necessarily know what the book poster is, even yeah. though we are. On, on, so let me let me explain this. So over Please on do. our main feed, because we have a, a Patreon feed for this is for ten to one listeners, where you could pay money to hear bonus episodes. We call them extra episodes. A sci-fi Christian and, Patreon, just to be clear, there's not a ten to yeah. one Patreon. Yes. Yeah. So like, think of everything you've just heard at the beginning of this episode, and then imagine how much better it would be if you were paid for it. <laughs> yeah. So over on the extra feed, which is what we call our Patreon feed, we have been going through a book poster of, what's it called, Ben? 100 Essential Novels. And there's 10 lines. So the way we've ordered this is they're kind of chronological on that book poster, I think. Or are they completely chronological? They are. They are completely chronological, but it's heavily slanted to the 20th century. So there are 10 lines, 10 books per line. The way we've been 
kind of getting ourselves through it is we pick one book per line and move down to the next line and so on. And we just made it through all 10 for the first time after starting this initiative in 2021. Well, 2021 is where we really systematized it. Before that, we were all over the place. So now that we've done all 10 lines, we start back at the top and we're in the middle of uh, our book right now. Both Ben and I are reading our new line one book, but we'll talk about that in a couple of years. For tonight, we're going to... <laughs> Well, we'll talk about that here in a couple of years, but but if you want to hear it sooner on the extra feed, we'll talk about it as soon as we finish it. Right, and you can go to the, there at patreon.com forward slash the sci-fi Christian. So tonight we're going to talk about all the books we've been discussing on the extra feed for the last two years, and we'll just kind of give our quick ratings and we'll rank them. But if you want an in-depth discussion on that book, guess what, listeners? You're going to have to go pay for the extra feed. Yeah, I thought you were... And we actually have 12 of them. Yes. Yeah, that's one of my complaints, is that you did two from one row. That 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 just messes up the whole top ten list. Well, that's why I titled it as cleverly as I did for you. Well, you did. Brian. I, I appreciate yeah. your cover-up. That that helps a little bit. Uh, I think it's, see that. it's true, though, that we didn't anticipate initially doing this episode on ten to one, so we didn't know we had to constrain ourselves to ten. Although I'm happy to be here. That's true. <laughs> That's Weren't true. there two lines that we did? Because how did we get to twelve? There must have been two two rows where we did two each. Yes, it was because the metamorphosis took like a half hour to listen to, and so we added another book. Right. And I think it was also whatever we read at the same time as Animal Farm because we had both read Animal Farm before. Okay. But I, but I think that's right. I don't remember for sure. But if you want to learn more about that, listeners, check out our discussions over on the extra feed, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash the sci fi Christian. Yeah, you did two from row five. Animal farming, all the king's men was the double up there. And then uh, passage to India and metamorphosis from row three, I think. Okay. Uh, it was heart yeah. of darkness and metamorphosis. Yep. Wait, no, a second. Uh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, you're right. Passage India. You're right. You're right. My list is. <laughs> my list has all the ones that I've read. Not all. Not just the ones that you've read. So you're right. You're right. All right, let's do this. Got a so, Brian, explain how we're going to talk about the same 12 books without boring everybody. Right, so uh, you might have noticed Melissa's not here. She has another obligation, and she hasn't read all of the books on the list, but I do have her list, so I will give her list. Um, I think we're going to go, uh, we'll do oldest to youngest. Yeah, we're going to go oldest to youngest. So we'll do Matt, Ben, me, and I'll give Melissa's. And we're just going to talk about the book on my list. Yes. When we're uh, so we only, so we talk about each book once. Also, uh, you can definitely go go uh, listen to Ben and Matt's episodes. They've already done what probably half an hour on each of these, and um, Goodreads reviews uh, for me. So I don't know that we need uh, we're not, we don't need thirty minutes each on on all of these books. You can hear our full thoughts or their full thoughts on their episodes. And good reads for mine. Any, like any. It. All right, so we're we're going worst to best. Worst to best. All right. So, well, let's see how much we agree. I think. I think Ben and I are going to agree more than Matt and I. I feel like that always. We'll happens, find out, but we'll see. All right. All right so, all right, number Matt, twelve, number Matt. 12. My number twelve. This was a tough one. I was torn between two, but I went with. A book from line number one, I believe, Robinson Crusoe. 
Okay. All right. My, my number 12 is from line. Gosh, I wasn't prepared with the lines. Line number eight. You know, I, and it's the, the, the crying of lot 49. Yeah, I also have Thomas Pynchon. That is row eight. Hey, Brian, I don't have the lines prepared. I don't know if we need to mention that, but you can if you want. Yeah, yeah, I've got those. Uh, I also have the crying of lot 49. I don't think it was particularly hard. I think this one's clearly the worst of the lot. <laughs> completely. What? What, what did Melissa have for her worst? Uh, before we talk uh, for about? number 12 for Melissa, uh, a no entry because she has not read every book. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, Brian, so Matt, you like the crying of lot 49 and Brian and I both disliked it. So why don't you defend it? Well, I guess what I, I want to know, are we talking right now about both Robinson Crusoe and Crying of Lot 49? No, or, no, 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 no. Nope. We're just talking Brian's list. Yep. So eventually, okay. Brian will get to Robinson Crusoe, and we'll talk about it then. And so far, we're okay, also I, talking I, about Ben's list. This, this oh, makes total sense. <laughs> wow, this is easy. All right. The Crying of Lot 49, a book that dealt with conspiracy, secret societies, mystery... Uh, an auction. What more could and, you want? I'd rather and, read. And what was what was the main reason you liked it? <laughs> uh, I think I liked the. I'm, I'm thinking back to what I felt back then. There seemed to be an intrigue. Like there was these. You, no, hint, no, just, just no. hear me out. Let me, let me, you, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You can you can give your other reasons. The main reason you like this book, as quoted both on the podcast and in your Goodreads review, is that it was short. <laughs> No, I mean that's that does help, but I remember thinking there were hidden messages in a play, and and she had to find these messages in a book and like written on the walls of bathrooms. Or maybe I'm not sure if that last part was true, but that seems right. And so yeah, I, I like the secret society aspect of it. Any thoughts on that? There's just not really a plot. I don't know. I'm. I don't think the <laughs> postmodern novel. But I can also admit that being able to finish it quickly also helped. I mean, I so I liked the mini story that had to do with a conspiracy of some sort. Although I will say, we didn't really know what the crying of Lot 49 meant until about the last page, and then it was over. I think it's the last line of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 I hated this book. I thought it was boring and convoluted. Uh, I get that it's a whole postmodern thing. I'm also willing to admit I'm probably wrong because Thomas Pynchon, a very well-renowned author, and this book is well-renowned, but I, it did not work for me. I would revisit it at some point, but I hated it. Yeah, I do like. I do think that's a good point, and I like how you've said, Ben, uh, you've made the point that we need to be uh, humble and that when there's something that's well-regarded that we don't get, then we should say there's pro I'm probably wrong. And why why is it well regarded and, and look into that? Uh that being said, I'm I don't I don't think this one's gonna be still read in fifty years. I I I could be wrong, but I don't think this one's gonna be in, on any book posters in fifty years. Yeah. I I definitely if I was making the book poster, I would have swapped this out for any number of other other things. Yeah. All right. And I give it. I give. I give it four stars. Uh, two stars. Yeah, two stars. All right. I can live with us disagreeing. <laughs> mostly good though. This book poster, mostly good. So let's get mostly to number good. eleven. I agree. 
Yeah, the lowest rating I have uh, of all 12 of these is 3.5, which is pretty good. Better than medium. Yeah, so if we're, right. if we're uh, uh, what is it, G.K. Chesterton says, the, the democracy of the dead is tradition. Well, before I die, I'm casting my vote. Thumbs down for crying of Lot 49. All right. All right. Number 11. Is it my turn now, or is it uh, yep. the your oh, yeah. turn? That's not bad, right? No, I Matt, you're going to keep starting. Okay, give I your number start. 11. Mm. Yep. My number 11. So this was, these are the two, you know, I couldn't decide what should be my least favorite. So, uh, you know, still 3.5 stars, but I said American Pastoral was my <laughs> second least favorite. <laughs> <era. laughs> that, one, that one's going to be a little higher on my list. My number 11, uh, despite the fact that so far you and I have disagreed, Matt, uh, my number 11 is Robinson Crusoe. My number 11 is also Robinson Crusoe. And uh, Melissa, uh, no entry. So, okay. so Robinson Matt, Crusoe. you had Robinson Crusoe at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, why, why did you put it at the bottom? Just as I thought back on these books, I remember probably going into this with a little bit of high hopes because it's a well-known story, well-known book. And I was shocked by how boring it was. Just dragged and dragged. Um, I think I, uh, I think the concept of the story to me actually ended up being better than the story itself. Um, I know that it's, I, I remember thinking this is a series or finding out it was a series and realizing I do not care to move on to this. So the, <laughs> the ending was fine and I was happy just to be done there. You know, that's kind of a great thing though, because. Because I think old Matt would have would have felt compelled to read the whole series. So the boringness of Robinson Crusoe helped break you of completionism. There we go. Wonderful. I have, wow. I have been getting better at that. You have. And, and I think we've we've talked about that in different contexts. Uh, I agree with you. The book is boring. I think that Dev Desert Island novels are as a whole very boring. So I've read this i've read swiss family robinson i've read the mysterious island mm. and this is probably the best of the three but still really really boring yikes i remember liking swiss family robinson when i was a kid oh read I it again <laughs> uh, holy crap i might have had an abridged version I mean, so the Swiss Family Robinson, I know that's not the book we're talking about, but since we all don't like Robinson Crusoe, uh, <laughs> screw it. Uh, so Swiss Family Robinson was written by a guy who wanted to teach his kids survival skills. Oh. So he just wrote it. It's like an instruction manual, which I guess if you ever caught on a desert island, maybe it would be useful then. But in lieu of that happening to you, horrible. Yeah, I usually really hate those. Uh, I mean, it's not even, is it even fiction at that point? I guess it right, technically it's like is. Right, it's mm, You know, mm. like I, I never endorse abridged books, but you should, if you're going to read something <laughs> like 20,000 Leagues, you should read the abridged version because half that book is just Jules Verne listing off fish. And it's it's such crap. Which is. And the rest, other half is great. I want you to, I want you to put a pin in that when we get to Moby Dick why Moby Dick is different because there's a lot of that that's I, I will. That's wailing. I'm glad you brought that up because I do have an answer when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I don't think I have too much to add. I'll just say uh, 
I uh, this I think one of the reasons that it's uh, held in high regard is it's a Christian, a Christian story. He he converts because he has a Bible on the island. But I I I even thought all the theology stuff was really simplistic. So there you go. I remember I was listening to this while I was driving home in one of the worst blizzards I've been in in years. And I thought I was going to die while listening to Robinson Crusoe. So I, I'm glad that didn't happen. It's not how I want to go. Yeah. What book do you want to be listening to when you die? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> not Cried of Lot 49 either. Uh, well, maybe your number 10. What's what's your number 10, Matt? This is going to be controversial. I think Ben loves this book. I don't know what you feel about it, Brian, but okay. I was not a huge fan of the metamorphosis. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get there. I know we're not talking about your entry, but I, I think that opinion, and I'm not trying to be rude or disrespectful of your opinion, Matt. You know I respect your opinion, <laughs> but that opinion is obscene. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My number 10 is The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Okay. And uh we we finally we finally break because I have uh my number 10 uh The Maltese Falcon. And Melissa yeah. n- no entry. Uh I liked The Maltese Falcon. This is the first first one of the of the list that I liked. Uh I I'd... I would say with The Maltese Falcon it's the rare case the movie is much better than the book. Movie is good. I I don't think he's a great writer, but I thought the story I was agree. interesting. So, uh, Matt, what do you think about the Maltese Falcon? I loved it. I bet. <laughs> this is good. Uh, the the Maltese Falcon is number two on my list. No 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 don't 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 say your rating yet. Don't say your rating yet. We're gonna get there. You're you gotta keep people in suspense. That's right. Number two. <laughs> It, it was, a, it was, I won't say what my number three is, but it was uh, hard for me to decide between two and three. So it's, but a top three still. I, I, I really like this book. So, I mean, do you want me to go into it? Yeah. Whatever you want to say. This. Over the last, I don't know, year, two years, I realized probably what a lot of people have come to realize over the years is that I like mystery novels. It, just, mm-hmm. it was a genre I never really got into. Now I've done some Agatha Christie. I did this book. I've, uh, I've, oh, you know, also, uh, outside of books, I've been watching more TV shows that have that kind of element, maybe some movies. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of even like something like Knives Out. Uh, oh, that genre of the, well, Ben, I think you've described it as it usually wraps up with some sort of parlor room explanation scene. Oh, I read all of the Sherlock, all of Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock books yeah. and short stories. So, yeah, this has been, uh, I guess it was just right up my alley. I really enjoyed it. I love the character. I, I'm kind of surprised the character doesn't have, like, there's not a huge series of books with mm-hmm. this character, although I do believe, and I haven't done a lot of research on this, I think there might be some short stories featuring uh, Sam Spade, but I think this is the only novel featuring the character. I don't know. I was a big fan of the book. I had seen the movie in the past, but I rewatched it because I enjoyed the book so much. And I can't remember what I gave the movie, but I think I gave both the book and the movie five stars. Yeah, so I'm I'm with Brian on this. I like it. Didn't dislike this book, but it didn't do a ton for me. The movie just transcends it because of Humphrey Bogart in, mm-hmm. in the role. Um, and I I agree with you. I love love all those mysteries. In fact, I think I loved everything 
else that you cited, but of everything you cited in the genre, Matt, this would be at the bottom for me. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, but I, I would like to, I would read some more by him or, uh, I've never read Raymond Chandler. I know there's a Raymond Chandler book on this, uh, on your book list. So there is. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely up for that when, when the next, uh, noir detective novel comes up. And having read The Big Sleep, it is superior to The Maltese Falcon, in my opinion. All right. Well, why don't we go on to uh, number nine? Matthew. Number nine for me is a book. I think this might be closer to where you guys landed on this book. I don't know for a fact, Brian, for you, but I think Ben didn't love this one I'm about to name. It is called On the Road. And that is by Jack Kerouac. Yeah, yeah, we'll be getting there. Okay, number nine for me, Brian. We weren't too out of sync. Number nine yeah. is the Maltese Falcon. Okay. And uh, my number nine is Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Not oh. not the Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, but Ralph yeah. Ellison. If you get those two confused, you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be really really having a bad time, no matter which way it goes. <laughs> You know, just okay, as a side tangent, can I just do a side tangent? Uh, here in October, I've been watching a lot of these Universal Monster movies, and I'm a fan of the Invisible Man movies. I think I've just seen the one, and he was, in fact, invisible in it, so <laughs> can't fault him for bad advertising. All right, this is the first significant disagreement that we have, Brian. Okay. Not, I won't tell you where it lands on my list, but it's it's quite high. I, I think this is... Uh, a profound work and i i really really loved it i i i definitely the the topic is important and uh the fact that uh that he's writing out of his own experience is important um so it's a if you're if you haven't read it's a, a black man in the south in the i don't know what year what year this is set in but a, a year that you don't want to be a black man in the South. Right. Right. A hundred years ago ish. Um, so I, mean, I don't want to say that uh, obviously that's important and I want to like it because I think that it should be read. But I think just the uh, I don't know, maybe it's the same kind of thing with crying of lot 49. It was difficult for me to follow um and the way that he hmm the it's we're going to get to on the road and that one is also sort of meandering but with invisible man i never quite knew i don't know i don't know there's two there's two very different parts of the book um and the second part was really not as interesting to me where he's kind of a political agitator and gets gets uh, uh manipulated and you kind of have this uh idealist going to uh uh uh, uh cynic uh which we'll also talk about with uh with another book on the list i don't know i i i'm definitely this is one that i'm i'll say i'm probably wrong on like like robinson crusoe but not as 
I, I don't see that it's as great as as I'm told it is. So, but yeah, I mean, I I think that to me, it, okay, there, there's an important topic, but I'm not going to give it too many points for that. I mean, yeah. you know, if we, if we write stuff on the importance of the topic, that's a different metric for me. Uh, just really, really well written as it gets you into the head of this character. And that's what a book like this should do. It should take an experience that you haven't had and leave you feeling as though you have lived it yourself. All right. Well, I liked it. Okay. Let's go on to number eight. Whoa, oh, whoa. Uh, let me, let, I, let me say this four and a half stars for me. I thought that the writing, the narrative, super engaging, I really, I, I think the writing style is what drew me in the most. I think, hmm. like, if I was to think of what, I, I, it seems like you, Brian, didn't necessarily like all the story elements. I yeah. think the writing was powerful in itself outside of the narrative. I agree. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and, and I still gave it four stars, so I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I didn't get it. Maybe so. All right, let's go on to number eight. Number eight for me, The Crying of Lot 49. All right, my number eight is On the Road. So we were close on that one, Matt. All right, and my number eight is The Handmaid's Tale. So we can talk about that one now. And I think, uh, I mean, ranking this one or, or rating it is tricky. I think you talked about that, Ben, on yep. your review. Yeah, 100%. This is the one that was hardest to rank for me because I do think it's it's well-written for the most part up until the ending. Um, I, you know, Also, there's other aspects to it, though, where you can't separate that from the work, and deliberately so. I don't think Margaret Atwood wants you to just view it as a novel. So the intention of the novel is not only to engage with it as a book and as written, but also with the content of it and so you know taking those two together that's why it landed lower on my list uh if i was to take it just as a novel it would be higher than it is for me but i i took it kind of as a combination too yeah that makes sense yeah it's i don't know it's it's definitely strange because like if you get if you gave this book to someone that had no idea about the the political context or the you know the setting of of uh, uh moral majority america that she was writing it in like there's there's no way you would get any of the i don't think you would get half the stuff that um that it's associated with as like a a pro choice uh rally um so i don't know that is really strange how uh how much of a of a work of art exists outside of the just the um, uh, the words for a book or the I, I guess the other things for a for different medium for different media. Yeah, and it's it's it kind of depends on the work, right? It's like you know, take one example like uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I mean, you could read that without knowing anything about Christianity. In fact, I have somebody who. Uh, is Jewish. I was uh, works for me, mm. and he didn't like. He's read it, but 
we were talking about it and he, he had never put the pieces together that it was a Christian allegory, Nice. which, which you know, so you could read it like that experience does exist, but clearly CS Lewis's intent is for you to pick up on Jesus lion. Uh, another example that's maybe closer to what handmaid's tale is trying to do would be something like Ayn Rand, you know, yeah. you, and I think Margaret Atwood's a better writer than Ayn Rand. So I'm not comparing the quality, uh, but clearly Ayn Rand wants you to be engaging with 20th century capitalism and socialism. Uh, and if you, you could read it just as a novel outside of that, but it's not intended to be. I really enjoyed this book. I gave it four stars. I, my favorite part about our recent review, Ben, is that, and I don't think we need to get re or like rehash it here, but this book has an epilogue that I really loved. And in some ways it, made me increase my rating because I liked it so much. And it was, you had the exact opposite response where you hated the epilogue. And we, we go into that quite a yeah. bit on, on our review of that. Oh, and yeah, I'll... yeah, just taking it as a book, as a piece of literature for me, it, it's a wonderful piece of literature, piece of writing until the epilogue and then it falls apart. Where do you land on that, Brian? Pro epilogue or anti epilogue? Well, well, here's what's kind of funny. I have a third, <laughs> a third view because, uh, I borrowed this on, ebook from the library and uh it it returned automatically before i read the i forgot to go back and read the epilogue so i haven't read the epilogue <laughs> oh, that is a third view <laughs> yeah so i don't even know i think i read like the first page i could tell that it was going to be a uh, uh uh god emperor of dune uh we found the uh the no room with uh off reds uh uh videotape or whatever don't, don't don't compare the disastrous <laughs> epilogue to the masterpiece that is God Emperor. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, yeah, well written, um, and I, I surprisingly not didactic. I thought I didn't think it was didactic at all. I was really surprised by that. The epilogue is highly didactic. Yeah, but I agree with you up until that point. <laughs> so. Uh, and Melissa, Melissa, no entry if I didn't already say that for number eight. So. Oh, when when do we start getting Melissa? <laughs> yeah, just hang on. Are you ready for number seven? I think she'll be there for our number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number seven for me is The Handmaid's Tale. All right, number seven for me is A Passage to India. All right, but we're going to be talking about my number seven, The Metamorphosis. Ah, uh, now I, I, I will say your opinion is not as obscene as Matt's opinion, <laughs> but it's still obscene. The metamorphosis deserves to be so much higher than than either of you have it. Uh, so this is the first one. You, no, not the first one you read, but it's been a couple years on this one, and uh, I should probably reread it because I not I don't think a lot of it has stuck with me. He turns into a giant bug. I remember that part. <laughs> but it goes on from there quite a while. <laughs> ben, I know you'll you'll be familiar more with the book. So here's what I remember. I, I remember that I admitted to you, I could sense there was a deeper meaning. But outside of these <laughs> obvious themes of transformation, I didn't get what the deeper meaning was. And maybe that was part of the problem. I, I, I maybe took it too much at the surface level. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it does have a deeper meaning. In fact, it's such a deeper meaning that it 
it and his other works have spawned the phrase Kafkaesque. Like mm-hmm. it's a actual philosophical, psychological term for for being stuck in that uh, trapped in that situation where there's no way out. I think this is one. Uh, maybe it's maybe you guys had the reverse experience of Handmaid's Tale of what we were just talking about, where you can't divorce Handmaid's Tale from what's happening uh, in the world around it at the time. I think Metamorphosis is similar. You know, it it's a book that could only have been produced by something like the interwar period in Germany uh, and the anxiety that comes with that. I think I, I also cited this in our recent episode on uh, Rise of the Machines, talking about, you know, the Ian McGilchrist stuff talking about the the propensity of art to begin swinging more towards this sort of body horror direction, you know, and how that that's not divorced from philosophical trends and culture. Uh, And so I think that, you know, the book, if you're just reading it on the surface level, uh, I guess I would still like it then because it, he's a bug and that's kind of (laughs) wild. But if you don't like body horror, you know, it it probably not going to appeal to you as much on, on the surface level. But there is this deeper thing going on. This is actually true of me. I don't like body horror. I also see in my review, and I don't know if I wrote this as a joke or not, but I want to present it to you as a real point, Ben, and then you respond, and Brian, feel free to add on. (laughs) So I I said I didn't know for sure why it was a classic, and then I wrote, maybe it's better in its original German. I don't know if I I, I meant that or not, but do you think that that is possible? Well, I'm sure it's better in its original German, but I think it's also great in translation. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that's why you didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, unless it's terribly translated, uh, you're still going to have the same images and the same ideas, even translated. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I guess I'm not so shocked that you didn't like this, Matt, even outside of, you know, the deeper meaning, just because it is like Kafka. His work is intended to produce sort of this anxiety-induced uh, state of which there's no way out. And that's not really a Matt Anderson special. I would agree with that. For some reason, this one is a, I, uh, linked with the eraser head in my, in my mind. I'm not sure why. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. And it, it's we didn't get deep into David Lynch in that episode I was citing. But we're going to talk about him in, in the, the Doppelganger sequel that's coming up because I think that David Lynch, uh, well, I wouldn't describe Eraserhead as body horror per se, but it has elements of that in there. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe I'm talking myself into it being a body horror movie. Uh, but it does deal with that same anxiety uh, that Kafka is picking up on. Uh, what does it feel like to be trapped? And that's a philosophical societal movement as we've moved through the war eras and then into the post-war, post-modern era. Uh, I think it's produced this cultural setting that has produced works like this. Hmm. And he's the he's like the head of the household. Um, so I, I wonder why it didn't uh, didn't connect with you, Matt, as a as a father yourself. Well, I think if I remember correctly, it was not so much about like a, a parent relationship. But I remember the sister being a main character. I think it was like a brother sister was the main relationship. Yeah, he's he's the main provider, but he doesn't have children of his own. He's providing mm-hmm. for his parents and for his sister. 
Although yeah, I will okay, admit I have okay. two sisters. That's true. Maybe you didn't connect with it because although he is a provider, he's not a bug. You're not a bug. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, are we good on the metamorphosis? Yeah, let's uh, move on to my number six. Are you ready for my number six? Number six. Well, it's Invisible Man by Ellison. All right. So right, right in the middle for you. Mine, mine is All the King's Men. Okay. And uh, my number six is On the Road. So I'm not exactly sure why this one worked for me more than Invisible Man or I guess Crying of Lot 49 from the... There's not really a plot. It's sort of a... Uh, is it picaresque? You just kind of wander around and and have adventures. And um, I don't know. It was definitely uh, there were not individual parts of the story that I can point to and say I really like this a lot. But the whole thing altogether um, kind of gave me the I guess the feeling that he was he was trying to get me to understand maybe kind of like what you were talking about Ben with uh, uh, what Ralph Ellison was, is going for. Yeah, I agree. I like the feel of this book. Uh, I think I, I, I liked having read it more than I liked actually reading it. Mm, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like what he's going for. Um, I feel like I, it, this is a book. Maybe you need to hit it exactly the right time. Hmm. Whether that's a time in your life or just if it's not a particular time in your life, then the right mentality. You kind of just have to be willing to go with it. And so um, that's where I think, you know, at least when I read it, I, I liked it, but I'm not sure I was quite in the right mindset for it. What do you think of for, On the Road, Matt? Yeah, for me, it's another case of the writing style was more interesting to me than the actual story i don't really like and i've mentioned mm. this before i don't like road novels right <laughs> but where each chapter is its own little adventure but i think i in this case i didn't hold it against it because the book is called on the road so i i mean you kind of know what you're getting into uh and so so if there's a movie called body horror then yeah. you'd kind of like, like well, it you know, yeah. Th no, that would have been a great review matt if you just said too much road too much <laughs> Too much <laughs> yeah and so yeah the the writing though and ben you described it to me when we were just discussing it uh, you know, i think before i even wrote my review you described this book to me as or the writing as stream of consciousness and that's just yeah. perfect it's just that's exactly yeah. what it is just these for me interesting ramblings that drew me in but i wasn't necessarily really into the narrative i just liked his ramblings hmm. yeah they're also I'll say this one last thing. There were also some very, very funny lines that just struck me in a very, uh, just a great way. So mm. I, I, in our review episode, I think I tried to reenact a, a line that I loved and I, it's hard to do. So I'll just say this. Very funny. Hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes very, funny. very funny. To me, it was really, yeah. really sad. Like they're, they're both true, though. Hey, both, both sure. True. They can both be true. Um, but just the, like, Okay, so so in contrast to Crying of Lot 49, it seems like these are people that 
they're they want their traditional things like they want the the family and the house and uh and true love and all these things and they just can't they can't get it and that's the tragedy yeah i think the stream of consciousness thing for me has a a i like that in small doses Mm -hmm. and not that this was a super long book but smaller doses than this I like stream of consciousness, but I get sick of it quickly. Uh, I also, you know, Allen Ginsberg is a, a main character in this, and uh, I have a very low opinion of <laughs> Allen Ginsberg. Uh, that's right, because you read the one with the actual names, right? I did. The scroll did. version. And I listened yes. to this on audiobook. Most of these I read uh, the words, but this one... I think the stream of consciousness works better as an audiobook. I agree. Yeah, Allen Ginsberg, if anybody's wondering what my uh, beef with him is, uh, card carrying member of NAMBLA. So that kind of doesn't get mentioned enough when people are praising him. I don't remember. What is NAMBLA? The North American Man Boy Love Association. Oh, I, want, I don't know how I could have forgotten such a thing. But I'm glad you had it top of mind. The famous from the South Park episode, Cartman joins Nambla. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts on Nambla? <laughs> I, I never heard of it. So is this a, I, I guess I can't tell. Is this a joke thing or is this a... No, no, no. It's not, I'm not making a joke. It is a, a pedophile organization. Yeah. And, and you're saying this person is a member of it? Not, not Jack Kerouac, just to be very clear. Alan yeah. Ginsberg, who I forget his character name. In in the one where he changed all the names, but Allen Ginsberg is one of the main characters in On the Road. It was a pedophile and a member of NAMBLA, and it, he's remembered as just this big loving hippie. And it's like, okay, yeah, but he was also a sex pest. Carlo Marx in the in the book. All right, so uh, no entry for Melissa. Still Bye-bye for number six. Did did she read anything? She's not. She didn't read anything for the book poster, but she's read some of the books on the book poster. I know she's read Animal Farm because I think she hates Animal Farm. (laughs) Right? She hates Animal Farm. Uh, I I don't know if she hates it. I don't. I could could be wrong. I I seem to remember her not liking it, but I could be wrong. All right, you ready for my number five? Yes. All the King's Men by. I can't remember the who is it. Uh, Rob, Robin Robert Penn Warren. Penn Warren. Yeah, Robin Wright Penn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five is Invisible Man. Uh, and my number five is Animal Farm. You spoke it into existence, Matt. Man, I love Animal Farm, but go ahead. Tell us why it's only your number five. Well, to be honest, I haven't read this since high school, uh, not high school, college. So it's been 12 years. I didn't reread it for the book poster. Just kind of put it in the middle of the list. I remember liking it. You Get know, this. that's kind Get of a it. shame you didn't reread it since it's like ten minutes long. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I was <laughs> going to say it's a shame because Brian, I I read this as a kid and uh, back in I think high school or maybe even middle school and liked it. Yeah. but I liked it even more as an as an adult. So I think you might like it even more now. If you yeah. well, I can show you and I have exact opposite opinions on a lot of things. So I, <laughs> maybe that's not true. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I would like it. I uh, what was going on when you were 
reading this one. This would have been... It would have been August 2021. I don't know. That whole year's a blur. Yeah. Ben, does this... I I just looked at my review for this, and I feel like this is a point that would make you mad. So I'm going to read you one (laughs) sentence from my review. Oh, dear. Here's about Animal Farm. (laughs) This can be enjoyed if you are just reading the story as is. But of course, it has the extra layer of being an (laughs) allegory about the Russian Revolution. Yeah, I think we did talk about that at length. I, I, I strongly objected to the idea that you could read Animal Farm as just about animals. Just, just, I just love oh, animals I mean, and hats running around. Just like, wow, what a great story of animals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the great things about this book is that it's, uh, you know, I love Animal Farm in part because I hate communists. So it makes it even better. <laughs> Brian, you should reread it, Brian. I I should. I just have it's so many short. books on my plate right now. You could have finished it in less time than we've been recording. I don't think that's true. It's not that short. It's close. It's very short. I think the audiobook's like two and a half hours. That is pretty short. All right. I'll get to it at some point. Uh, All right, guys. Here we go. No entry for Melissa. So we're on to number four. Number four. A passage to India, and I will say from here on out, all of mine are five stars. Actually, I didn't even say this. I, I haven't been giving my star ratings, which I usually like to do, but Animal Farm is a five-star book for me. Nice. I think uh, I've been four have, stars all the way uh, down. Animal Farm is my number four. All right, and A Passage to India. Matt, we synced up. Whoa, a Passage to India, number four. Uh, no entry for Melissa. So, Ma- on, Melissa. So, Matt, you go first for Passage to India. Well, I feel like I've said this a lot during this review, or I guess this countdown, but it's it's a case where I described this writing in my review as elegant. I thought that mm. it was an elegant style. And I think uh, this set of books that we're discussing more than most, I not on purpose, but I can see that I was focused a lot on the writing style as being some of the what one. But maybe that's telling. Maybe that's why these books are on this list of some of the best books ever. Uh, so I do remember parts of the story dragging for me, but overall, I, I think I was pro narrative, but I was m- most for the writing style, which, yeah, I, I, let me say, I have, I'm looking at my review here. I, I, yeah, again, I just said the, not that the plot wasn't good, but I just wasn't really impressed with the writing choices. Yep. Yeah, I, I really liked passage to India. I liked the movie. I liked the book. Um, I, so I had it at number seven on my list, but that's really only because I like the other stuff above it more. Um, I'd say with five, six, seven, which was Invisible Man, All the King's Men and Passage to India, uh, you could kind of shuffle those in any order for me. Really, really liked it. Nice. Ben, do you agree, though, that, that for this one in particular, the, the way that Forster uses language is just, I mean, would you describe it as yes. elegant? I would, and I think that it it's elegant in like he uses language to a purpose, which is that you have this clash of cultures. Everybody who's a character in this book is part of something that's bigger than them. The the, the colonial conflict transcends them, and they're caught in the repercussions of it. And really, really well done. Yeah, the way he. Uh... The way he switches character perspectives um, in the book, speaking of Dune, reminded me of of how Frank Herbert wrote Dune. 
Yeah, I can see that. I don't think I have anything else to add. I I, uh, I agree with you, Matt. Beautiful Thank writing. You. All right, I'm going to move on then. Unless did Melissa happen to read Passage to Uh She has no entry on the list yet. All right, here we go. My number three, Animal Farm. My number three, American Pastoral. Hey, my number three is American Pastoral. Oh, that's my number 11. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> uh, I'm, like, this is the one where I'm so disappointed you, you, you didn't like it, man. It's, it, it's so profound with, with what it accomplishes. And I guess, you know, it is a fatherhood book. Maybe you didn't like it be, in mm. part because it's, it's such a dark fatherhood book. Uh, but man, what he accomplishes here is just creating this pressure cooker and then just letting his character sweat in it is incredible. This was a, one of my top reads of the year so far. I, I guess I just didn't feel what you felt. I, I, I suppose that's okay. In this case, I can understand what you're describing. I just didn't feel what you felt. Yeah, definitely. You're talking about the pressure cooker, the way that he. It's a it's a pretty simple story plot wise, but he keeps like he'll he'll give a paragraph of story and then it'll just be pages of like it made him think of this and this and he'll it's all of this uh, all this side stuff, which is super interesting, but (laughs) kind of stressful when you want to know like what happened to his daughter kind of <laughs> so. yeah but the, but that's that's the brilliance yeah because he wants to know what happened to his daughter yeah yeah and it's like if he jumps forward and just gives you the plot and i know you're not crit- saying that as a negative thing no but like that's where you know it it recreates the anxiety of what happens when your kids go wrong mm. and as a father like with kids who are now you know my oldest is 14 getting to that age some of them have other ones at the much lower end of the spectrum age-wise uh including not born yet um and so you know but you get to that it's like man what what is going to happen if my kids when my kids make choices i don't agree with Mm. you know and and this is a extreme version of that but it's this issue that no parent wants to face but every parent has to face and part of the, the beauty of art is getting yourself in that position and, and being forced to stare that straight in the face and not being able to escape it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're wanting all these things for your children, but then it's like the paradox of, and this is, I'm sure they get into this in all the parenting books you're reading, Matt. Um, <laughs> that, uh, like you want things to go a certain way, but to to accomp- to get your children to where you want them to be, you have to transition them to being independent. You have to step back and do less and less for them so that they can make their own decisions. And um, yeah, I imagine just that that, that gets more. Uh, uh, I don't know what the what the emotion is I'm looking for. I'm, get, I'm guessing that gets harder the older they get. Yeah, you can feel it getting closer. Yeah. Do we have a Melissa entry at number three? Uh, no entry at number three for Melissa. So Melissa's read two books on this <laughs> list. It's, it's the upshot here. Animal Farm and Moby Dick. 
I just wanted Melissa to be a part of this. That's all. <laughs> I appreciate Melissa's contribution. <laughs> all right, number two for me. I announced it an hour ago. The Maltese Falcon. Uh, number two for me is Metamorphosis. Uh, number two for me, All the King's Men. Man, I really love this one. This one is also kind so, of slow and meandering, but yeah, the, the I liked it a lot. Yeah. But I, I, I'm curious what put it at number two for you. Uh, I think it's. I think more than any of the other books on this list. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I think more than any of the other books on this list, even including the the first book, I felt like I was there in the setting in the in the south um that's just been wrecked by uh let's see what is this uh the depression of course still uh still reeling from from the civil war even at this point and um just the uh i don't know i i felt like uh, so i'd kind of i had kind of said earlier I'm surprised a certain character didn't, didn't you didn't connect with Matt, but I guess that's kind of the wrong way to think of it. Like you shouldn't be taking characters or or things from the book and just saying, "How does this relate to my life?" It's kind of the other way where you put yourself into the book if it's a really good story. Um, so, uh, so it was that for me, and then I I think just on a like a at the sentence and paragraph paragraph level uh i think he's the best writer of of those that we've talked about so far i'm glad you i'm glad you said so far <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> i had to toss that in <laughs> you know, well we could talk about the narrative and the characters and whatnot but th this one different than the other books that we've discussed so far yeah it was like along the way there were these deep insights into life mm. And I was listening to the audiobook, and I found myself having to pause, maybe re-listen to a quick line, and just kind of think it through before moving on. Because, yeah, I, he he wrote in some like deep things just about how we perceive life, and yeah, I I really like this one too. I give it four and a half stars. I, I forget where it landed on my list though, so it was my number five. Which yeah, I mean yeah, obviously we're looking at some of the best books ever. But yeah, I, I really like this one. I felt like it got better and better as it went on. It was, you mentioned this, Brian, it was slow at first, but as I got more invested and I was caring more about the characters, I, I felt like it was a good payoff. It was a good journey. Yeah, I this is a, this is definitely a winner. I agree. Yeah, I agree. The way this guy goes from, I'd mentioned it with, uh, which one? Was it Invisible Man? Where you have the, the kind of uh, cynicism that comes from from a young idealist that that gets thwarted in in their uh, when they try and put their ideals into action, and uh, yeah, I I this is one of the probably one of my favorite characters in fiction, the uh, the governor in this, Willie Stark. And now does Melissa have a number two entry for? She does have a number two. Animal Farm is her number two, and uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Matthew, you must have been thinking of a different book because. Uh, uh, she loved this book. She read it in in okay, 2020, good. gave it five stars. Okay. Good. Oh, I bet you and her don't like 1984. Oh, uh, yeah. That is. Matt, you don't like 1984. 
Is that true? I think I like 1984. Well, I seem to recall you not liking it, but I, I will bring you over to my side for this discussion and say, Cozers, you're wrong. 1984, great novel. <laughs> I have not oh, read 1984, I, believe it or not. I gave it, I gave it three and a half. Melissa gave it a two uh, star. Five stars. Sometimes very funny. No, it's not sometimes <laughs> very, very funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, if people have been keeping score at home, uh, they know that we've all, like all the books Matt and I have listed, we've all we we've talked about all of them. Meaning that there's one book yeah. left, and we all have it as our number one, including Melissa. I would assume that's right, unless she's gonna pull something down. Nope, nope. So, so Brian, what's what's the number one book that we all have at the top? Yeah, so it's Moby Dick. It is Moby Dick. What a book! What a book! Yeah. I... Uh, Go For ahead. those not familiar with the sci-fi Christian, uh, over on our Patreon feed, specifically on our uh, uncensored feed, uh, we did was it sixteen episodes on Moby Dick? Just going I, through it. I can't beat. Yeah, beat I can't remember. But I, I can't remember the number. I think sixteen. That sounds right. I don't know for a fact, but yeah, we we spent weeks going through this book, and man, was it worth it. Yeah, and so I'd say, given how long a lot of those episodes are, I bet we have close to 20 hours of material we've done on Moby Dick. Uh, and it is not just the best book on, on this poster, uh, and probably, well, not the best book on this list, it's probably the best book on the poster. There's a few that you could put up there. I guess our, our Divine Comedy's on there, so mm. it's got some competition. Um, but it's one of the greatest novels ever written. It, it is profound. It is uh, such a deep work. And it's one that, you know, a lot of people might be saying, Moby Dick, I tried to read that. And hmm. I barely got past Call Me Ishmael. It's like, yeah, it's a hard book. Hmm. You know, you brought up when we were talking about, uh, I was talking about Jules Verne and lists of fish. Yeah. It's like, well, Moby Dick has these long sections on whaling. And that's where everybody just slams the book in frustration and walks away. But then I think that the way we tried to approach it with really getting into those, yeah, they can be hard to read, but there's really profound things going on in there relating to his discussion of God and obsession and, and good and evil and all of that. And so you take those out, you don't have the same work. You, you have something that's much less because the novel, uh, you know, is, is about that obsession. It's about, uh, that search for greatness. It's about, you know, theology uh, as it gets into those. One of the most interesting things I think about what we did, and I probably mentioned this when we were recording, is that uh, I saw a chart um, around the time we were recording that was tracking the uses of the pronoun I, because it's told the first person narration mm -hmm. uh, throughout the book. And it starts out very, very heavy, you know, call me Ishmael. So any type of first person, I, me, all of that. Yeah. By the end of the book, there's virtually none. It's like the narrator uh, recedes into the transcendent. Mm. And it, it is so beautiful and so profound. It's a shame that more people have not experienced Moby Dick uh, at all. But even those who have have not experienced it in the way that we did. Uh, just take your time with this book and, and become obsessed with it. I, I totally agree with everything you're saying, Ben. And I... I can admit I would not love this book if it wasn't for what we did for the podcast because you helped us dive deep into what's happening and the writing and really dissecting what 
just dissecting what Melville accomplished. So I'll just wrap up my thoughts by saying there are only two books other than the Bible that have felt spiritual to me. It would be the divine comedy and Moby Dick. This the, I have three. I mean, if, if I was going to name my three favorite books, of course, Bible, <laughs> divine comedy, Moby Dick, these are my top three books. If I can own, if I could only own three books, I think those are my three books I would own. Yeah, wow. that's that's a great list. Um, I would probably add Hamlet to that list mm. as uh, a, a a play that, to me, is you know I don't know if it quite has that feel of lost scripture in the way that uh, Divine Comedy or Moby Dick do, but in terms of spiritual transcendence, you know I I like to think of Hamlet as a meditation on purgatory. Uh, and you know we won't talk about Hamlet here, but we, <laughs> we should at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's like it de- it deserves to be mentioned with those others. And of course, the Bible's special. We're not saying it's scripture yeah. the way the Bible is. But on the other hand, I do want to say that like if you know part of what makes the Bible the Bible is that it's inspired by God. Okay, so is there other types of inspiration where? Not on the part of scripture. I'm not saying that. So there's no heresy here, <laughs> but where the author taps into something yeah. so much greater than himself, where he's writing about things that, you know, he's trying to do and he's trying to get out all these themes and the story and everything, but he's tapped into something so much more transcendent than that, mm. that it's like the author itself disappears into what he's, he's created. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, why Why does this powerful myth of the muses exist? Uh, it's because of books like this, that, yeah, there's writing, but then sometimes there's writing that is as though it is from God. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't mean that in a heretical way to yeah. say it's like it, that it's scripture, but there is a degree of the transcendent that is captured in a work like this that very, very, very few works have ever managed to get to. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's even, maybe that's even required for, for art. If you're not going to end up with like a Ready Player One, that the author has to go beyond themselves. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's true. Like, you know, to a degree, if you think about art and stories, it's kind of silly. Like if you just think about it, (laughs) like you have this pretend story with characters that don't really exist and yet you get invested in them. So why, why does that work that way? Like what's actually going on? It's like the story and all of this exists to Stanley Kubrick put it this way. It exists to, to distract your conscious mind so that your subconscious mind can, can get into whatever it Mm. is that's underneath all of that. Oh, it's that right brain, left brain thing again. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very, very much so. It's also, um, uh, C.S. Lewis kind of talked about that's why he stopped writing apologetics, nonfiction, and started writing fiction. Because he just, he wanted to, he didn't think he was going to convince anybody through logic. He wanted to just bypass. Bypass and go straight to the, whatever part of that view that that connects with art like that. Yep. No, I think that's very true. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. All the things you guys are saying. Uh, I, I, it's, it's my favorite book now. Um, I listen to it on audiobook, uh, 
over a week of uh, traveling for work this year. So that's my second time reading it, and it's still still really good in that uh, format, audiobook, and uh, and quickly. Um, and I agree, Matt, that uh, that going into it in a deep dive in the way that Ben did it definitely adds a lot. I think you would still like it even just as a story about whales and this guy that just loves whales <laughs> and whaling. Because <laughs> even, even just at that point, uh, even just at that, uh, that level, the way he gets so excited about it and uh, it's so funny. That's another difference with, I think, with the nonfiction parts when he's talking about whales and how ridiculous he is, you know, uh, pretending there's no blue whale and right. um, some of the other stuff that he says. It's really funny. And that that also helps. And that's not always there. Like if you look, I guess this list of 12 books, which of them are funny? I guess on the road yeah, sometimes, but on the road sometimes. Uh, I mean, you know, Invisible Man was just a laugh riot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, I think Lot Forty Nine is probably trying to be funny. I think it was trying to be funny. Uh, was Animal Farm sometimes funny? <laughs> Maybe because it's animals Maybe. a little bit, but yeah, not the so topic. Speaking of which, Matt, could you take your Animal Farm review and just change it to whales? <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's a great book about whales, but there might also be a deeper level. I could try. <laughs> ah, well, we did it. We did it. Twelve to one. Twelve to one. <laughs> yeah, rebrand your podcast, Brian. So, in about two years, Ben and I will have gone through the the each of the ten lines again, and probably we'll only have ten this time. And I think we'll see how it all goes. But well, Brian, maybe just a preview for, for yeah. the next since to, to jump off of uh sometimes very funny uh Tristram Shandy. Is, oh, yes. holy crap! It's a la- it, it is hilarious. It is one well, of the funniest books I've ever read. Wow. But, uh, hey, have you started this yet? I'm or still yet? I'm still pretty close to the beginning. I have started it. Okay. Yeah, let me just quickly say this to the listeners. So listeners, over on the extra feed, we picked the next book for line number one. It's called The Life and Opinions of Tristram, Tristram Shandy Gentleman, which just is a delightful title in general. It is. Yeah. And that was the main reason I chose it. Then... We get into the book, and I, I started it before Ben. I started texting him right away because I'm laughing out loud hearing this book. And I think it's from 1759, so pretty impressive. Oh, it, it's it's great. Uncle Toby is one of the all-time funniest yes. characters. Every you time know, he mentions I, Uncle Toby, I'm just uh, – you, you yes. just can't help it. And it, it really – I loved when we read Don Quixote a few years mm, back. Mm-hmm. Might have been like seven years now, but – and. Just shades, not shades. It it reminds me a lot of Don Quixote. That it, it was about... inspired by Don Quixote. Oh, really? Mm, oh, there yes. you go. Yes, I called it. Uh, I will say without giving any spoilers, I, I got I'm very close to the end, and I got spoiled on one part where Tristram has a horrible accident. And let me just say, oh, glorious, <laughs> absolutely wow. glorious. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this book so far. So you know, I'm I. Uh, the audiobook from my library and just like Brian was mentioning earlier in the episode I ran out of time before I had to be given to a different listener a different library goer oh my. So, so, you, so, have you, so we I, all you have time have gotten to the horrible accident so, so Ben I'm halfway through the book and 
just waiting for my turn to come back around so I can finish this book that I'm really enjoying. All right, so me and the listeners well, have plenty of time to to get on board. Yes. The the last thing I'll say about the horrible accident is that <laughs> it uh it 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 might be worth a standalone episode just on that in our uncensored feed uh, for a certain a certain uh, foible series that we've done there. It's oh glorious. Oh, okay. Oh my. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, Brian, anything else you want to say before we shut this thing down? I I don't think so. I definitely uh, uh, go go check out uh, the extra feed, Sci-Fi Christian Extra Feed. Uh, what is that again? Patreon.com slash the sci-fi um, christian yep the sci-fi yep. christian uh go yeah, go that'd ch- be great go follow us on goodreads and uh yeah do you know of anyone else that's that's read all of the the first 12 books in this book poster yeah i'm sure other listeners have but no one's told us and no one invited us right. onto their podcast to talk about it so yeah if you're, if you're looking for that yeah honor, i want it. you to to let us know you can go on uh the sci-fi christian.com leave a comment there or you can go on tto.coser.us uh, you can go to slash 156 leave a comment on on uh, our webpage uh, you can email us tto at coser.us or what are you guys feedback at the sci-fi christian.com that's right you and, got it and brian one last question for you how is sfc.blue going we haven't talked about it in so long well let me hit the outro music which okay. you cannot hear, but it's oh, this, it's coming this is in the back. Oh, that's music too, and oh. since we can't hear each other. <laughs> that's true. That is good timing. I'm gonna do it right now. Is your, is your music is, done? Is your outro music done? It just ended. Matt, you're a genius. Play the music at the same time. Yes. That's great. It's over. Our music is also over now. That's genius. Yeah, so... Right. so I, have to, oh. I have to pee. Oh, me so too. I'm gonna, uh, Matt, I, I'm going to hang up here because I'm going to move inside. Um, so I'm going to go pee, and then I'll be back on in about two minutes. All right. For All right. Thank you, Brian. Goodbye. Thanks, Ben. Bye. Man, right, Dune. What's the Dune is yeah. so good. I know, it is good. I, I so on one hand, I'm getting so much more out of it by Ben's yeah. deep dive discussion. Yeah. But on the other hand, I just want to read all these books and just be done in the sense of like knowing where the story is going. I know, me too. But I'm in the middle of I think 20 books right now, so I'm actually okay with the the slow pace. I need to. I know that. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I I have I've barely even started Tristram Shandy so I need to. It's a good thing you're you're not charging plowing through Dune or I'd be even more behind there. Man, I'm kind of bummed about Tristram Shandy. I just checked and I'm number four in line. <laughs> oh, no. I can't believe you how can, popular this is. Why don't you just uh, pick it up? Um, uh, you can get it for free, yeah. a free ebook. I texted you a link to a, a really well formatted ebook, and just start reading a chapter a night. They're really short chapters, right? They are. I have to admit something, and I don't know what's wrong with me right now. I'm having a very hard time doing regular reading, like just yeah. fitting it into my schedule. Yeah, Audiobooks yeah. are just a breeze, but things are just ramping up family-wise yeah. and 
uh, I guess worked in some ways, but especially just family life. And I, just to find time to do anything when, you know, I used to watch yeah. lots of movies, lots of TV, yeah, yeah. read lots of things. I mean, I'm just way, way down on all those extracurricular activities that, that are kind of more focused on just me by myself. Right. Like, right. Even my wife and I, uh, shows that, you know, now that we're in the fall season and shows have returned, there's a few shows that we like and would usually be watching together and we just haven't had time yet. So it's a weird yeah. time. I feel not overwhelmed, but there's a lot happening. So all that to say, I get it. I want to finish a bunch of books I've started that are in physical form, mm, and I just okay. can't get to them. Yep, yep. So Tristram's going to have to wait. I could buy it through Audible. I'm just trying to use my credits wisely. Right. Oh, this is a winner. All right, what do you got? And it Give gives me, me some time. Yeah, no. so so for SFC.blue, I just updated it yesterday. Wow. Did you do it because you knew you were going to have to face us? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like uh, podcasting. It's like, uh, well, like you were saying, you're talking about being busy. We, again, bought a house this year. We had a baby. Um, and so everything's kind of gone on hold. So this is the first time this year that I've, I've, I've put in an update on here. Um, but I'm up to uh, 517 now. Yeah, I just logged in. I see it. Yeah, I'm at the end of uh, 2016. And uh, my plan is... Uh, to get where I'm, I'm always five years listening to the episodes that are five years old. Yeah. So I'm not too far behind that. If I can, uh, let's see, uh, about a year. I have about a year to catch up on, and um, just stay at a steady pace. Just be like that double, double sci-fi Christian feed. I think that is a good pace, and also I think, um, yeah, letting that five years. Yeah. Oh, Ben's already back. I just heard a little beeping sound. One second, because. Hold on, sorry. I'm now I'm distracted by letting Ben in. I'm going to admit him into this. He'll be happy to see you still here. Oh, Brian, you're still here. I'm still we're here. Having, we're having a little talk about SFC.blue. Yeah. So Brian has a plan to be five years behind, but purposefully, like five seasons behind. Yeah, just a but, rolling no, five, five years. No, five calendar years. I like. Uh, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, because then you can kind of look back on what has actually happened since then. So he's almost there. He's almost Beautiful. caught up. Yeah, I got excited because on the... Uh, so I just posted one for the first time this year, Ben. And uh, uh, one of your listeners requested a Pokemon Go episode. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, this is perfect. I'm listening to this six years later. And so I can add a, a snarky comment about, yeah, that didn't... Uh, that did not uh, revolutionize anything. And Should uh, we do a Pokemon Go episode, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> And then I was we just go back and look at the notes and see what did we miss out on that we should have like, <laughs> but five, like maybe we should have started a series called like five years too late, and <laughs> and we just review things. Yeah, that would be good. But then I was disappointed because then Ben said, "No, that's a terrible idea. That's already had its fifteen minutes of fame. So it was <laughs> already obvious. Point. It was already obvious that that was." Uh... <laughs> uh, remember, remember when people were walking off cliffs. <laughs> Pokemon Go. Uh, Matt, I'm going to have you say 10 to 1, episode 156, and Ben, you can you can title it. All right. I don't okay, remember the title. Top 10 book poster books. No, it's not Sci-Fi Christian. We have 12 of them. Yeah, we have 12. We do have 12, but I have a rigid naming. Top okay, 12. Okay, top 12. 
Just wing it. Wing it, Ben. Wing it. I got you, Brian. I got you, Brian. Okay. I've got the episode number. Go ahead, man. uh, What do I say before the episode number? 10 to 1? Yep. Here we go. 